we are at uh, chapter 26. Anybody had any experience this past week where they were able to apply any of the things that we learned so far? And going through Proverbs, you know, whenever we study the Word of God, the devil has a way of telling us through it. Right? So we trust that you are remembering uh, or that you are asking the Holy Spirit to bring to your remembrance what you have learned uh, so that you will be able to apply it. Okay, we are. Uh, we stopped at chapter 22. We started to go to chapter 23, but uh, we stopped because of time. So let's have someone read verses 23 through 26, please. Uh, Proverbs chapter 26. Fervent lips with a wicked heart are like earthenware covered with silver dross. He who hates disguises it with his lips and lays up deceit within himself. When he speaks kindly, do not believe him, for there are seven abominations in his heart. Though his hatred is covered by deceit, his wickedness will be revealed before the assembly. Okay, who is he talking about here? What kind of person is he talking about here? Look at the verse. Hmm? Well, that person could do gossip. Yeah, they could do a lot of gossip. Double-minded man. He has two ways. Right one. Yeah, that's a good description of him. A person with a wicked heart. And uh, whose words are often covered by wicked actions. And so what the, what, the, what the writer is saying is, as an unblemished, shiny finish covers up the worthlessness and dullness of pottery underneath, so a heart full of hatred is covered by lips burning with fake love. Uh, we often run into people who, uh, whose words are flattering, but we know from experience probably our own experience with them or other people's experience with them, that their words only cover up uh, the hatred they have in their hearts. And uh, we may have not had the, the unpleasant experience of, of, of having that in our own lives, but we have heard it from others. And so this is the kind of person that he's, he's talking about here. A person who exhibits fake love. Uh, this point is illustrated by Judas's affection for Jesus. Remember him? His affection for Jesus. Uh, what, would, what did he do in betraying Jesus in the garden? He kissed him. Okay, here we have another fake portrayal of love. And uh, that kiss was supposed to give those who are coming to arrest Jesus the sign that this is the man that you're looking for. Take him. And so a chronic hater attempts to hide hostility with polite words uh, while holding inner deceit. They shouldn't be trusted regardless of how polite they speak because their heart is full of wickedness and hatred. Unfortunately, uh, they swing people sometimes and people end up do trusting them. Even though hidden for a time, being deceit. By being deceitful, their wickedness will eventually uh, show the wickedness will eventually make itself known, so it cannot be hidden forever. Uh, 
And so this is one of those persons that uh, we are reminded to steer clear of. And uh, it's amazing how God's word reminds us and informs us of the kind of people that we ought to steer clear, clear of and how we can identify the wickedness and the deceit that they exhibit in their lives. Now, verse 27. Anybody? <laughs> Not everybody at one, one, one time. Okay. Just 27. Okay. Now, how many times have we seen that happen? A person sets a trap and they end up getting caught in it. Who in the Bible reminds us of that? Mordecai. Exactly. And that's a good example of it right there. Uh, he makes a, a trap for, for someone else and uh, he gets caught in his own trap. So evil people uh, do always have a way of, what they do always have a way of jumping back on them or ricochet, bouncing back. Okay, verse 28. Do we ever think about that? Whenever a person tells a lie on someone, do we think of that person as being a person who is hateful of the person that they're telling the lie on? Do we? But that's a fact. Both the liar or the slanderer and the flatterer are criticized by this proverb. Two types of people. The lying tongue and the person who criticizes. The slanderer hates his victims, while the flatterer tries to ruin their lives, causes them ruin, causes them destruction, causes them heartache, causes them pain. Uh, so we have two types of people here uh, described in this verse. Verse 1 of chapter 27. Do not boast about tomorrow. Who reminds us of the same thing in the New Testament? Okay, that's one example. Okay, that's good. That's one example in the New Testament. What's the other example? Who reminds us about not bragging about tomorrow? Because we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Oh, Jesus did, yeah. Who else? And the book of James. James is the one I'm thinking of. Yeah, James tells us that we should not boast about tomorrow. Does anybody know what's going to happen tomorrow? We make plans, right? We don't even know what's going to happen in the next 10 minutes or the next 5 minutes. Okay, we all make plans and we hope these things would happen. And so... No one is certain about tomorrow, and so we should not brag about it uh, like the rich fool, as Sister Marguerite mentioned in Luke chapter 12, uh, talking about building the big barns at the start instead of helping others. And James also warns us in chapter 4 about the same thing. So we have constant reminders. Those are just two. James and Luke are just two of the reminders that the writer probably is probably thinking about when he talks about not bragging about tomorrow because we don't know what tomorrow is going to hold. 
uh, we often uh, would say, if the Lord wills, we will do such and such, or we will go to a certain place. And, uh, and it only happened if the Lord wills. You know, we had a, a, a leadership fellowship this past Saturday, and um, we were trying to get to find out whoever, how many people were, were attending. And everybody responded, Lord willing, I'll be there. Lord willing, I'll be there. I said, Lord willing, I'll be there, but I didn't make it. Okay? We never know what's going to happen. Okay? All kinds of things can, can happen that prevent us from uh, fulfilling promises that we make. So it's always, if the Lord is willing, we will do such and such, or we will go such so and so. Never be presumptuous to think that we know exactly what's going to happen uh, the next day. Okay, verse 2. I got a lot of amens when I went on on Facebook. And they came quick. As soon as I posted on Facebook, it came back. Amen. And uh, people do this a lot. Praising yourself is not only in poor taste, but also extremely graceless. Doesn't exhibit any ounce of grace at all. Distinguished persons endeavor to keep themselves in the background as they praise others. And you can always tell a person who is graceful. They're always going to lift other people up. They're always going to praise other people. And they're not going to say a single thing about themselves. It'll take someone else to have to point that out. And this is the kind of person that he's talking about here uh, in this proverb. Whenever you run into somebody like that, you need to remind them of what the Bible says about self-praise and recommendation here in this proverb. And then verse 3. So what is heavier than sand and stone? The resentment caused by a fool. There's no physical burden heavier to put up than the relentless offensive comments of a fool. Can't put up in anything like that. Carrying a stone or sand would be more preferable than being continually irritated by a big mouth fool. Anybody know anybody like that? <laughs> there are a lot of people like that in our world today. Verse 4. Wrath is cruel and anger is outrageous, but who is able to stand before him? Okay, as cruel and as overwhelming as anger and wrath are, they're usually only short term. They don't last very long. Jealousy is more severe because it persistently does what? Nibble away. It nibbles away at you. And this proverb would be most applicable to marriage, infidelity, which also tends to be or end up in tragedy at times. And we've heard many, many stories of how that happens. And so jealousy is something that we need to be very, very cautious of. Of course, we've seen many stories in the Bible uh, that give us vivid examples of how jealousy ended up. And uh, we would be wise to take note of them. Verse 5. Open rebuke is better than secret love. 
Is that true? Have we experienced that? How many of you have experienced that? Open rebuke as opposed to hidden love. Anybody? Well, one of the things we need to be mindful of is that a direct open rebuke is more beneficial to the receiver than secret love. Love that refuses to point out a person's faults is of no benefit at all. In other words, if you really, really love somebody, you're not going to look at all the faults that they have and not tell them about it, would you? If you really love them, you'll say, pull them aside and say, listen, you know, what you're doing is not really good at all. It's not beneficial to you. It's not helping anybody else. And that's what he's talking about here. Uh, open rebuke is much better than did now. It may cause a kind of strain in the relationship if you do that. But that wouldn't last because if the person is really a true friend, they'll realize that what you're doing is really helpful. Rather, they're more helpful than hurtful. Even though it'll hurt for a while when they get it the first time. But uh, it'll eventually uh, make them realize that you're really a genuine friend indeed and your love for them is genuine. And so open rebuke is much better than hidden love. And number six. Grateful are the ones of their friends, but the kisses of the enemy who are deceitful. Okay, this comes close on the heels of the other one. Okay, that we just, just the, the previous verse. Because of fear of losing your friendship, many people will not be honest about another person's faults. So you see how connected this is to the, to the, to the previous verse, verse 5. Uh, only a true friend is willing to risk friendship by what we call constructive criticism in order to help a friend. Uh, you you know what you're going to say to them is going to is going to is going to hurt them. They're going to take it the wrong way. Uh, they're going to probably be offended. But you've got to say it anyway because you're a sincere friend. If you're not a sincere friend, then you won't say it. You just let them go on and and uh, probably suffer the consequences in some other way because of it. Um, only a true friend is willing to risk friendship by constructive criticism in order to help another friend. The universal symbol of love and friendship was prostituted to the lowest degree by Judas, whom we just mentioned, uh, when he gave the sign to the mob by kissing Jesus to distinguish who he was so that they could arrest him. And so that universal symbol of love is still today continually prostituted by a lot of people who use the same example, the same illustration uh, to portray true friends, a kiss. And uh, we need to be mindful of that because sometimes it could very well happen to us even though we may be cautious not to do it to others. So we distinguish who a true friend is uh, by determining whether that kiss is sincere or whether it's been prostituted. Verse 7. Okay, an overstuffed person has no appetite to appreciate even the best of foods. On the other hand, any bad food 
taste good to a hungry person who is grateful for whatever they can get. And so we are cautioned here to some degree about gluttony. People who like to eat, or people who live to eat, rather than eat to live. Verse 8. As a bird wandered from her nest, so is a man that wandered from his place. And we've heard stories about individuals who wandered from where they're supposed to be and ended up, we often talk, uh, describe it as being in the wrong place at the wrong time. Uh, when we, anyone who wanders away from home usually does so because of a number of reasons. Uh, unhappiness, restlessness, and they are often described as people who have itchy feet. And uh, like the bird who strays away from the nest, its nest, uh, such a person is known or attributed to being the kind of person who dodges responsibilities. We've heard uh, stories about individuals who left home, but they didn't just leave home, they left their responsibilities of home behind them as well. And so this proverb is, this proverb is alluding to individuals who dodge their responsibilities uh, and fail to build up, to build any kind of firm or significant foundation. Notice, a person who strays from home is like a bird that strays from the nest. What happens when a bird strays from the nest and it has young ones? What happens to the young ones? Hmm? They get neglected, right? They die because the bird who is supposed to, the, the parent bird, who is supposed to be providing for them, from them, of strayed from the nest. And, uh, and as a result, the young birds cannot survive because they can't fend for themselves. And so he says, as a person strays from home, a person who strays from home is like a bird that strays from the nest. Uh, speaking about the dodging or the ducting or the abdicating of responsibilities of the home or failing to build any kind of firm or significant uh, livelihood in the home. Verse 9. Ointment and perfume delight the heart, and the sweetness of a man's friend gives delight by hearty counsel. Notice another word that proverb that's talking about friendship, which reminds us how valuable and how important friendship is. Uh, remember the relationship that um, uh, David and Jonathan had? Very precious relationship. And you know, there are people who today who look at the closeness of that friendship and uh, would go as far and obscene as saying that they were gay. There are people who are saying that today. Said that David and Jonathan had a gay relationship because of how close a friendship they had. They talked about how much they loved each other. But here again we have another passage, another verse that's talking about friendship, which reminds us of how valuable uh, friendship really is in the life of a person. It means a whole lot of loving. The loving advice from a friend is compared to the aroma of pleasant incense and perfume. Pleasant incense and perfume. Okay? The uniqueness of a fellowship with a friend is truly uplifting. Uh, we know how 
impacting the aroma of incense and perfumes. I grew up in the Catholic Church, and uh, many times I really didn't want to go to church because the incense was just overwhelming. You know, they'd walk down the aisle swinging those things, and, and boy, I would go under the bench because the, the, the incense, the aroma of the incense was just overwhelming. It just made me sick. Okay, so we can, we can, uh, and then there are, there are times when, uh, when the choir is performing and the choir, uh, master, Anton, but have to tell the, the ladies, listen, hold off on the perfume, you know, don't wear too much of it, because it affects other people in the choir who just cannot take that strong aroma, that strong odor. Okay, and so he's, that's what he's talking, that's what he's alluding to here, when he talks about friendship. He says the friendship, uh, Friendship is like a strong perfume, as sweet as a strong perfume. A loving friendship is compared to the aroma of pleasant incense and perfume. And its uniqueness is uplifting, not offending. You know, you wear too much of it, it offends other people. You know, why, why does she have to put on so much? You know? Or why does, why do, why in, in the Catholic Church you have to have all that, that incense? It's just sickening. Okay, in uh, verse 10. Okay, here we have another verse that talks about friendship. Don't you think he's overdoing it a bit? No. He's stressing the importance of friendship. Never abandon a friend. That's the key point. Never, how many times we've seen individuals get totally devastated, totally disappointed because someone who they counted on as a friend really let them down, really disappointed them. And so he's saying here, never abandon a friend, either yours or your family's friend or some friend of the family. Never abandon them. Uh, we could never imagine how much a friend depends on others or us. Unless they are, until they are disappointed. Then we find out how devastating it really is. Friendships have to be nurtured and kept active. Which is why the oldest friends are always the best friends. I'm sure some of us have experienced that. Uh, we look back on our friendships and uh, we talk about the friends that we have and some of the experiences that we've had with those friends. So it's worth it not to lose track of your friends or old family friends. You will get more help from the compassion, more help and compassion from a faithful neighbor when trouble comes than from a close relatives, from a close relative or family member who you're, on, you're not on good terms with. Okay, you've got a strained relationship. And so the proverb tells us, listen, you're going to get more help from a person who is nearby, a neighbor, than from a relative who is far away because of a strained relationship. And so again, the emphasis here is keeping our friendships intact and on good terms. Verse 11. My son be wise and make my heart that I may answer him that he spoke to me. Well, we have a, a lot of people who are 
going through a lot of sadness and heartache today because their children really didn't make their heart glad. Uh, it was disappointing some of the things that the children had done. But what people fail to realize sometimes is that a child's behavior is a reflection of their parents' instruction. Uh, if a parent doesn't give their children the proper instructions on how to live and how to order their lives, how do they expect them to do things that will not break their hearts? You know, we have we see a lot of people who end up uh, around the courthouse because uh, their children have gotten themselves on the wrong side of the law. And um, we often hear stories about individuals who have gotten themselves in trouble. We've mentioned it many times here. And um, one of the things that they do when they go to court is talk about how the police beat them. And uh, my response is always, if the parents had beaten them when they were young, then the police wouldn't have to beat them when they were old. Um, discipline is very, very important in the, in the life of the child. If a disciplined, if a disciple doesn't bring his teacher joy, he will bring him shame. And the same thing is, is true of a parent-child relationship. Okay, if a child doesn't bring his parent joy, they will bring them shame. But it all depends on the instruction of the parent to that child when that child is being brought up. And so it's something that we ought to take note of. As it has been said, for a teacher, the success of his students is his best defense. Verse 12. A prudent man foreseeth the evil, and hides himself, but the simple pass on punished. A prudent person does what? Foreseeth evil. He sees danger. He sees problems. And what does he do? He takes precautions. Does a fool do the same thing? What does a fool do? Rushes blindly into it and does what? Suffer the consequences. And uh, as ridiculous as that may seem, it actually happens over and over and over and over again today. Um, you may, you may, you may, you may assume that you know a person who sees someone make a mistake and see themselves headed in the same direction will avoid making that mistake by remembering what the other person went through, but not for a fool. A sensible person protects himself and his family from danger, while everyone else who acts carelessly and irresponsibly end up suffering the consequences of their actions. And so it pays to be wise, doesn't it? Prudent means wise. Wise person, prudent person, sees danger and makes the necessary, takes the necessary precautions or the necessary actions to avoid it. Verse 13. And this is another one that Proverbs mentions over and over again. 
about guaranteeing a loan to somebody that you hardly know, or probably someone that you do know, but you don't know what their, their track record is in terms of managing their financial resources or good stewardship. Uh, and I've seen many people uh, go through this, this heartache. Um, the first line means that the person who is surety for a stranger will lose his shirt. The person who they stood the loan for, put up surety for, doesn't come through. Okay? You will lose more than your shirt. You may lose everything you have. Okay? If the person doesn't come through. The second line uh, means hold it up and pledge when he is a surety for a seduction. In other words, be sure that you have a legal claim on the property of anyone you will guarantee the debts for, be it an unworthy stranger or anybody else. Make sure that you're holding something in case it falls through. Uh, part of my job is, is property management, and um, one of the things that we do is we, 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 we as most people who have properties for, for lease, uh, the, the, the person who's leasing have to put up security, security deposit. Uh, but we also have one, because most of our properties are no pet properties. And so if a person has a little dog or a little cat and they want to come and bring their cat, and most of our, 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 our persons who rent are, are expats anyway, and um, they want to bring their pet, so there's an extra security for the pet. Because what if the pet goes and chew up all the furniture? You know, the security deposit may not cover that. Okay, so we have a, a security deposit, $2,000 if you have a pet. Uh, that you pay, and if something happens, so when the, when the person is moving out of the property, I go in and I do an inspection of the property. We go through all the lists, compare it to what the list that they had when they moved in, and uh, we take note of all the damages, and we make the we do it with the person to make sure they are well. This didn't, you know, we didn't do this. This wasn't here when you came in, and that wasn't there, and, and they agree and they expect that they won't get their full deposit back. You know, um, we, we read the electric meter and the water meter to make sure that um, when they move, we are not left with a bill. Uh, and so until all of those things are settled, they get there. And sometimes it takes months. You know, I had a fellow call me just to send me an email the other day. Uh, uh, well, what about my deposit? Uh, well, um, we still haven't gotten the water bill yet. Um, so as we get the water bill and we calculate the cost and you get your deposit and, and we finally, uh, after about a week, we tell them it's going to take about 60 days, okay, because of the period that, that the utilities come. Uh, but this guy was really, and he, he left that house in a mess. I mean, we had to, it was a mess. Uh, he had two little children, they were toddlers, and, and the bed, one of the kids had their bed against the wall and they used the wall for their arts and craft. They had crayons and they scratched all over the walls. You know, and then the little kids, I don't, they, you know the little, the little door stops that you got you do to keep the door from, but they, the, the kids went and they screwed off the little plastic coating on the end, the tip of it. Okay, I don't know what they did with them, they probably swallowed them or something. Okay, and uh, I mean, the place, was, it, of all the places that we have rented, that place was left in the worst condition than any others. And then they, they, they uh, moved some tables and some chairs out of the living room and dining room and put them in the bedroom, one of the bedrooms. And when I went in there and I said, well, what is this doing here? Oh, that's broken. So we moved it out of there. Okay, well, we'll have to fix that. And then they took the, they had a television stand and they, they peeled off all of the coating of the television stand. They said the kids did it. 
Uh, they called me in prior to the closing when they were moving to show me all of this damage that was done. They said, we just want to make you we are, want to soften the blow, so to speak, for when you come to do the final, final closing. It was a lot of damage. I had to take out a portion of the sofa and take it to an upholster to get it redone, the armrest had to be redone. Uh, uh, the, and then they took a table, an end table in there and put it in the room and, uh, and stuck it against the wall and they had actually damaged portion of the top of it. The, the, the glaze coating on the top of it is gone. Now I didn't see that. And I uh, didn't see that until after they had already moved out and everything. So we had to go and look for somebody to get that repaired. Uh, but he, I, I can tell you, he didn't get all of his deposit back. Okay, he didn't get all of it, but he was really nice about it. They had moved, they were from uh, Germany, a German uh, couple, and they moved, uh, had a business here, they moved from here to Guyana, I think. And uh, when we contacted him and let him know he was really nice about it, uh, he, probably, he probably anticipated that he would have to spend a lot because of the damage. He had to repaint the entire inside of the house. Um, and, uh, and so again, we have this verse about security. Guaranteeing that you don't get left holding the bag, and uh, and Christians ought to be wise in this regard, uh, because many times unsaved people take advantage of believers, and uh, and when you stand up for what is right, they call you everything but a child of God, because you're supposed to be stupid, you're supposed to be foolish, but here in the Proverbs we're reminded that we are to be wise people. And we had to exercise that wisdom in very practical ways in everyday life. And this is just a few of them. Our time is gone, so we've got to stop. But here's just a few of them that uh, we are reminded of. And it's not like we don't know all this stuff, do we? We know all this stuff, right? Every now and then the Proverbs just reminds us of some things that we already know. And that's what this is all about here today. Just a reminder. So we're going to stop here. And Lord willing, we pick up and we come back next Lord's Day. Amen.